The scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. If you want to use the Pew Bible, that's page 1041. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, his, and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness in the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Good morning. It is really good to be here this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you. And uh, we really hope that if you are looking for a church home, we'll think, you'll think about making this place your church home. Uh, we're a church here that's not perfect uh, because it's a church full of people. And, uh, but we are a church that really wants to please the Lord. And uh, we're on a journey to do that with our lives. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. Now, as I talk for just a minute, you aren't going to hear a lot that I say because you're going to be overwhelmed with the amount of cuteness on the screen. Uh, last night we had trunk or treat here at Mount Juliet and uh, we just had a fantastic time. There were a lot of games and uh, a lot of pictures that were taken. You'll get to see some of the kids that were here, a lot of great costumes. I love the emperor there and Darth Vader. Uh, some really great costumes. Again, you're not going to hear what I'm saying. This is just too cute. You can't even handle it. Uh, but you could do this all day. You could look at these pictures from Trunk or Treat. A lot of families were here, a lot of kids, and again, a lot of great costumes. We appreciate so much, uh, Joey and Jeanette Cartwright and the job that they did putting this together. A lot of games last night, uh, some free food, a lot of fellowship, and just a lot of fun. So uh, thank you guys for participating. Again, we appreciate the Cartwrights and uh, their ability to lead this so well. They did such a great job. And uh, you know, you could look at these pictures all day, but that's what Facebook is for. So go home today and uh, you can look at pictures, I promise, all day long. Of, uh, of fantastic costumes from last night. So uh, again, enjoyed that event very much. I don't know how many of you guys saw this, uh, but on, uh, on October the 19th, the Smithsonian Museum launched a Kickstarter campaign to uh, preserve Dorothy's ruby slippers. Uh, the, from the Wizard of Oz, obviously. Uh, the shoes were made in, in 1939 for the MGM movie, The Wizard of Oz, the musical. And uh, they were made a long time ago. It's like 80 years ago. So after 80 years time, the pair that, that Judy Garland wore as she danced down the yellow brick road has started to deteriorate. 
And a lot has, has happened in 80 years. And it's seen a lot of, of light. It's seen a lot in the museum. Uh, it's, I guess it's lived through a lot over 80 years. During their time at the museum, the color has faded significantly. I don't know if you, you would call that a ruby color anymore, uh, but because of the light and the moisture, some of the sequins have no red coating left on them, and they're no longer translucent. Well, the Smithsonian launched a Kickstarter campaign to preserve two, and this is kind of their hashtag for it. Their campaign was called Keep Them Ruby. And so they tried to raise a lot of money. Uh, the goal was to raise $300,000 in one month. And uh, I guess you could say the campaign was a shoe in because, uh, keep them coming, right? Uh, on the 24th of this month, they met their goal. It only took them uh, six days. And in six days, they raised $315,000 to preserve these shoes. Most of the money will go towards scientific research and the construction of a special case uh, that will keep the shoes ruby and keep them from deteriorating further. Uh, the shoes will also be cleaned, but, but nothing will be done to enhance their color uh, or to repair them with newer materials. They just want to preserve them like they are so they don't lose any more of its luster. A couple of things that, that you might not know about the most famous the shoes uh, are made from a dozen different materials, including wood pulp, silk thread, gelatin, plastic, and glass. Most of the ruby color comes from sequins, but the bows of the shoes contain red glass beads. They began as ordinary shoes that were dyed red, and a netting with the sequins was fitted for them and sewn on. Uh, they have felt on the soles of the shoes to muffle their sound. You can go back to the last slide if you want to. Uh, to, uh, to muffle their sound for da dance sequences so it wasn't too loud when she was dancing. Um, and also, you might not know this, but they're not the only pair. In fact, there were seven pairs of slippers that were made for the movie, and four other pairs are known to exist. The Smithsonian's pair was donated anonymously in 1979 after being sold at an auction in 1970. Two other pairs are owned by private collectors, including a pair purchased by Leonardo DiCaprio and Steven Spielberg for display at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, which opens next year in Los Angeles if you'd like to go. A, uh, a fourth pair, this is interesting, a fourth pair was stolen from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota in uh, 2005 and remains at large. Nobody knows exactly who took them, but uh, I think they've narrowed it down to a few small suspects on the next slide. Works better if you push the button. There, okay. Anyway, this morning, sorry for the terrible joke. This morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. So if you would turn there, if you haven't already turned to Ephesians 6, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about shoes. So uh, let's get ready. So Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against those spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth 
and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All right, so big picture, verse 15, where it talks about shoes, is tucked away inside of this passage about the whole armor of God. And so what I want to do one more time is I want to zero in on verses 13 through 15, where we're really talking a lot about shoes. So let's read this part again, and uh, we'll get sort of a closer aim. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I want you to look very closely at verse 15, and I probably read this verse 10 times before I I saw what it actually said. You ever do that? Sometimes you're reading the Word of God, and you just read right over things that have been there all along. Well, that happened to me. I think maybe I'd I'd read this passage with sort of a a formula in my mind, and I don't know if if maybe VBS messed me up uh, the way that I was thinking about this verse, uh, but... You know what I mean? Like, as you're reading this, this passage about the armor of God, you, you sort of develop this formula in your head where you, you read about a piece of the armor and then you read about the spiritual application. So you see the piece of the armor and then the spiritual application every time. And so it's like, this equals this, this equals this. Here's what I mean. Uh, just, you can kind of look on the screen. Is that, as, you, as you Google armor of God or you look it up on Pinterest, you'll see a lot of diagrams where people broke this down. There's one there uh, where they labeled the, the feet of peace. Uh, if you go to the next one, there's another slide where it's kind of labeled some of the, the pieces of the armor of God. Uh, the, you know, the, you read things like the, the belts, the belt of truth, the, the breastplates, the breastplate of righteousness, the shields, the shield of faith, the helmets, the helmet of salvation to protect your mind uh, from Satan's attack. But again, if, if you look at this passage closely in that verse, it doesn't say that shoes are the gospel or that shoes are peace. Here's what it does say. It says that shoes signify the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So that's kind of different. It's not that shoes equal gospel or shoes equal peace. Shoes equal readiness. Again, helmet equals salvation, breastplate equals righteousness, but but shoes don't equal gospel or peace. Shoes equal readiness. It's It's not that the gospel protects your feet. It's the gospel that makes you ready. It's the gospel that gives you readiness. And so as I was thinking a little bit about shoes, I I thought about this passage, obviously. I I was thinking a little bit about shoes and why would God use this imagery? Like he, he used that word on purpose. He wanted to to communicate something about shoes. I mean, I guess it it fits with the whole armor of God ensemble, but but why did God say shoes in this passage? I think there's at least three things that shoes do 
that I want to point out to you. Obviously, besides help you dunk like Michael Jordan, there's some things that shoes help you do. Number one, and, and maybe most obviously of all, number one is shoes protect your feet. Shoes protect your feet. If you go forward a couple of slides, we'll catch up. There you go. Yeah, shoes protect your feet. That's, that's kind of obvious. But time and time again in God's word, we read passages that, that talk about the importance of protecting your feet, of, of walking in paths of righteousness, of, of walking in the light, of choosing our steps carefully. And just a few verses earlier in Ephesians 5, Paul wrote these words, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And then again, just a few verses later, he talks about the whole armor of God. So he's always already been talking about the way that we walk. In Psalm 119, the psalmist mentions three times, this is so fascinating to me, in that one chapter of the Bible, he mentions three times the importance of, he, he makes the connection with our feet and our behavior with our conduct and our feet, the way that we walk. Verse 59, it says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. That's, that's kind of a cool verse to think about because no, nobody walks like this, right? You, you always walk in the direction that your feet are pointed. And so I, I love that passage where he, he's saying, the way that your feet are pointed is the direction that you're headed. That's, are your feet pointed towards God? Verse 101, it says, I hold my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet, verse 105. Your word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Remember how scary it was when you were little and it was dark outside. Maybe you went to church camp and uh, how great was it to have a flashlight for any hike that you went on. If you didn't have that, you were scared to death of what was out there. And it's awesome that God's put a flashlight in our hands. He's given us a lamp. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. Verse, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Proverbs seven eleven, where we read about the profile of an adulterous woman. Uh, don't tell your wife she's like the Proverbs 7 woman. Okay, Proverbs 31 woman. It says this, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Your feet are connected to your conduct many times in the word of God. Even in the idea of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. This is a really powerful thought. It's interesting. As Jesus was, was cleaning the feet of his disciples, if you think about it, he was purifying their steps. He was purifying their steps. Remember he said in John 13, six through eight, then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. We could read dozens more passages where your feet are connected to your conduct in the word of God and but, but what's the point? Well, it's important to protect your feet. Your feet are for going. They're, they're your built-in mode of transportation. And if, if your feet stop moving, so do you. And so as Christians, we're supposed to be pressing on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You know, you, you can deal with a lot of injuries. You know, like if your arm gets really hurt, you can push through that. 
you get an injury sort of like that, you can push through. But you get a bad foot injury, you're immobile. You can't go anywhere. God wants us to walk with him. And that's hard to do if we don't protect our feet with shoes of readiness. Remember the song we sang when we were kids? Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Physically and spiritually speaking, it's important for us to protect our feet. And and that's what shoes are for. Number two, and just like the passage states, and we've already talked a little bit about it a little bit. um, But number two, the the second thing that shoes do is uh, shoes make you ready. Shoes make you ready. Oh man, I don't know. Surely I'm not the only one that will identify with this. But uh, I was thinking about this point and uh, am I the only one this has ever happened to? Uh, You're running late, maybe for church. You never run late for church, I know. But uh, you're running late for church and, uh, and you're about to put your kids in the car and they've got their church clothes on. They've had them on for like 30 or 45 minutes. And uh, you're like, okay, let's go. Let's get in the car now. And, uh, and so you're, you're kind of rushing out the door and then you look down and what do they not have on? You know, the way that you're laughing, I can tell. Their shoes. How is that? How does that always happen? Like, how is it they never had their shoes on? It's so true though. Um, and, and so what do you do? Well, of course, you're running late. So you forgot your shoes, that's your problem. And you just go to church without the shoes. No, you don't. Nobody does that. Why? Because of how important your shoes are. Nobody leaves home without them. And that's interesting because really verse, verse 15 is talking about readiness. Shoes are that crucial last item that you put on before you step out into the world. In other words, when your shoes are on, you are ready. Verse 15 again, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Maybe your translation, if you have a different translation here, uses the word preparation instead of of readiness. The Greek word for preparation that's used uh, is the word etoimatso. It means to, to make ready. In fact, it's the only time that this word appears in the New Testament. Specifically, it has to do with a readiness of mind. And isn't it awesome how the, how the gospel of peace gives us a readiness of mind? Because of the gospel of peace, we can be ready for any situation that, that may come our way in life. Why? Because Jesus Christ died to save me. He brought me peace and he bought me peace. And Satan can throw whatever he wants to throw at me. And he can throw whatever he wants to throw at you. But when he does, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Why? Because Colossians 1, 19 and 20, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile, reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Isaiah 53, verse five, more peace. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The good news is the gospel is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace prepares us and specifically in this context in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, it makes us ready to fight in the battle against evil. Number three, the third thing that that our shoes do for us uh, that I think is interesting, the third thing about shoes I want to notice is that shoes go everywhere you go. Shoes go everywhere you go. And these shoes of readiness They're supposed to go with you everywhere you go. You know what else is supposed to go with us everywhere we go? 
the gospel. The gospel. The gospel of peace that makes us ready. Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Everywhere you go, the gospel goes. We got to be ready to share it, ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we prepare ourselves for the journey of evangelism? How do, we, how do we make ready? How do we lace up and, and step out into the world and onto the battlefield sharing the gospel of peace? I was thinking, I think that, I was thinking about it and I think that learning evangelism is, is sort of like learning to tie your shoes. Like evangelism is, is kind of like learning how to tie your shoes. Do you remember what that was like? Maybe it's been a lot of years for you guys, but but maybe you remember something about the process of, of learning how to tie your shoes. Uh, I sort of remember it. I don't remember everything about it, but there's about four things that I do remember. Number one, I remember that I was really resistant to it at first because I liked my Velcro shoes just fine. You know, that was pretty easy. In fact, I wish I still had a pair. They're just awesome. I, I remember kind of being resistant to it. Uh, and number two, I remember it being really hard to learn at first. That's the other thing I remember. Number three, I remember how excited I was when I did it. Number four, I, I remember that it got easier. You know, evangelism's kind of like that. Number one, maybe we're resistant to it at first because we like our Velcro. We like to play it safe. We like things to be comfortable. We like things to be easy. Number two, evangelism can be really hard and maybe even intimidating. Number three, though, God fills us with excitement and with joy whenever we have the courage to carry out our evangelistic mission. And number four, it, it does seem to get easier if you make it a habit, if you practice, if you pray, if you stay with it, and most of all, if you trust God and, and have the courage to step out in faith and try. And so as we bring the lesson to a close, there's three things that, that I wanna share with you as we think about lacing up for evangelism. Number one is, as you lace up for evangelism, shoe thyself. That sounds weird, but notice the spelling, okay? I'm talking about shoes on your feet. Shoe thyself. That's important. It's, it's kind of a terrible pun, but that's sort of my thing. Let me tell you why I think this is important. If you look at, at 2 Timothy 2, verses 15, or verse 15, it says, Study to shoe thyself approved unto God. If you're using the original King James, shoe thyself or show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, what's that talking about? Paul is writing here to Timothy about the importance of him having his shoes on. What do I mean by that? Of being ready. And so how important is it as we think about evangelism, for every single one of us inside of, inside of this room to put our own shoes on and to be ready. I know he's not talking about literally putting shoes on in the passage, but he is saying, Timothy, be ready. Show yourself approved. Know how to handle the word of God. Know what to do with it. Evangelism, if you really think about it, evangelism is a modeling gig. It's all about the way that you lead people to the Lord, the way that you walk do you lead them to God by the way that you live? We have to show them Jesus by the way that we walk. Bible class teachers or whoever this needs to hear this this morning, 
your conduct will do a lot more for evangelism than even a curriculum will. You might say it this way, perhaps the most important component of evangelism is showing people what your shoes look like. We must show people what it looks like to love people. Show them what it looks like to love a person that's just moved into the area. Show them what it looks like to love that person that everybody else picks on. Show them what it looks like to to love a person that's a little rough around the edges. That kind of genuine love opens doors to evangelism. We, we got to tie our own shoes. Number two is as we lace up for evangelism and, and step out in the world, we need to take the time to teach others how to tie their shoes. We need to teach others how to tie their shoes. An important theme of the New Testament is this idea of being ready. There are a lot of parables about that that Jesus told. We don't know when Jesus will come back. We don't know where our final day on this earth will be. But one of the main messages of the word of God is we got to be ready when that time comes. We got to be looking for others that we can show, hey, here's how you can be ready to meet the Lord. I think it's safe to say that I can guarantee this statement. I can guarantee that everybody in here learned how to tie their shoes in the same way. Somebody sat down and showed you how to do it. I think about one of our college kids that I got a phone call from this last week and uh, someone who is away at college and said, hey, I've got, I've got this friend that I'm really trying to lead to the Lord. And a part of that was overwhelming to her and scared her to death. And I think we kind of psych ourselves out sometimes, don't we? Thinking we have to know exactly what to say know everything about the Bible, have every answer, know exactly where every passage is in an instant. And certainly that helps. But the more that we talked, the more that she realized, hey, I'm doing okay. You know why? She had the courage and the faith to trust God in the words that she spoke. And I got a phone call again, or I got a text later this week that her friend in college became a Christian this week. How great is that? What's the point of the story? Well, I guess there's a lot of things you could pull from that, but she was ready and she was ready to show someone else what it took to get ready to meet the Lord. That's the way Jesus drew it up. He commissioned his disciples to make disciples. Who's someone that, that you need to share the gospel with? You need to be ready to do it. Number three is we lace up for evangelism. We need to understand that everybody's shoes look a little bit different. Everybody's shoes look a little bit different. What I mean here is that we all come from a different background and each of us has a different role to play. And we've all been, we've all been given different sets of talents and abilities to help us carry out our mission. Evangelism, evangelism isn't just something that, that preachers or, or elders or even adults have to do. Does, doing evangelism doesn't mean that, that you, you have to host hour-long Bible studies after school or at your house or after work um, every day. This, this, is one of the, this is one of my favorite stories about evangelism. And I know you've, you've probably heard David tell this before, but I just think it's so powerful, especially as you think about maybe even the story I just told about one of our college kids this week. Late one night, a man went overboard on a massive cruise ship. Thankfully, someone happened to see him flailing in the water, gasping for air. And so he cried out, man overboard. And one of the crew members on the ship shined a spotlight into the ocean. There he is, I see him. They alerted the captain who, who turned the boat around. 
While a crew of men and women quickly lowered lifeboats into the water, divers quickly entered the water and, and grabbed the man. And, and by that time, he'd taken in a great deal of water. And so they, they hoisted him back aboard the ship where a team of paramedics on board administered CPR. After a few minutes, they were about to get him breathing again and, and, and they saved his life. And the man rested all night long in a room where he was monitored closely by a nurse aboard the ship. The next day, the man woke up thankful to be alive and he said to the nurse, I want to know who it was who saved me so that I can thank them myself. I owe them my life. Who was it that saved me? Well, the nurse wasn't really sure what to tell him. Was it the person who cried out for help when they saw him in the water? Was it the person who shined a spotlight into the water to locate the man? Was it the, the captain who, who turned the boat around in the right direction? Was it the crew of people in the lifeboats? Was it the divers? Maybe it was the ones who gave him CPR. Was it the nurse who, who stayed up with him all night long to make sure that his health was in good shape? The fact is they, they all played a role in saving him, didn't they? The same is true with, with evangelism, with seeking and saving the lost. It's, it's not just the person that, that baptizes them that's responsible, although they played a role. It's that person who invited him to church for the first time. It's that person who took the time to encourage them and, and sit down with them on the first night that they came in. It's that person that, that gave them a ride home when their ride didn't show up in time after that event was over. It's that Bible class teacher who took the time to learn their name. It's that guy that, that called him up when some of his friends were getting together after church to play some pickup basketball. And on and on and on and on. You may not be ready to lead a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with people, but you can invite someone to church or to that retreat or to that lunch. You can take the time to learn someone's name and speak to them the next time you see each other in the hallway or at work. You can introduce your friend to someone in the church that can help pick up the slack from there and building a relationship with them. The story I told earlier about one of our college kids, she introduced her friend to her campus minister there in college. They had a Bible study and she obeyed the gospel. It's awesome. God's plan is amazing. This morning, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes, but I do know this. I know that no matter where your footsteps go, you're not so far away as to where Christ cannot reach you. This morning, maybe you're ready to take steps closer to God. Maybe you've never become a Christian. We'd love for you to start that walk with him today and continue to walk in the light. Maybe you are someone who's obeyed the gospel, but over time, your, your feet have been wayward and you started to walk down a path that, that you're not very proud of. God will take you back. He loves you. And we want to love you like he does. If we can help you in any way, we really hope you'll let us know. Please come as we stand and sing together.